Well, Lord, by your grace, we're here again. Once again, we come to this table to fellowship with you, to remember you, to, to have a moment with you. We pray your blessing over this moment. We thank you so much for the sacrifice you made for us. We know that because of our sins, we were the ones who deserved that punishment, not you. But you took it for us. And we really don't fully know how to say thank you. What you did for us is more incredible than what anyone else has ever done for us. It's beyond our understanding and our experience. But we really are grateful. And even though we can't fully comprehend that you love us that much, we're thankful for the amount we do comprehend. And we see your sacrifice. We're humbled by it. Because deep down, we know that it's hard for us to love that sacrificially and to put the needs of others that far ahead of our own needs. So we thank you for your example. We pray you'll help us to be more like you, more forgiving, more gracious, more sacrificial. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been in a series for the last three weeks called Begin Again. Now, each week, I have given you a toy or a prop of some kind at the beginning of the service. Remember this, right? We started with Play-Doh on week one. Then on week two, we did windbags and had that exciting adventure here. Foam building blocks. And today, of all things, a kazoo. Now, I know that for some of you, this has been really hard to get used to. You're, 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 you're like, this is not church. I mean, Play-Doh and windbags and building blocks and kazoos, that is so not what we're like. Like, I can just imagine somebody somewhere has quoted Paul about this preaching technique, saying, when I was a child, I acted like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Yeah, that's in the Bible. I believe you. I know it's been tough. But actually, the reason for this had, and there have been some theories floated for why I've been doing this, right? One theory was, well, Marty's been doing this because he went to a children's conference right before this sermon series started. That's, that's true idea, but that's nothing to do with why I've had toys for you each week. And I'm not trying to be hip or trendy or different. That's really not what it's been about. It's actually, it's actually been about something much more important. Now, I know that some of you didn't take a kazoo today because this whole thing of toys and the services just really annoyed you. And if that's the case, listen, this was not a test of fellowship. You're still a part of the family of God. So don't feel offended, okay? But there was a reason why I asked you to do these things. It's actually grounded in something that Jesus said about beginning again. It was Jesus who was once talking with his disciples in Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. And listen to these words of Jesus talking about change or beginning again and what we have to do. Jesus said, truly I tell you, unless you change, unless you begin again, unless you start over and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a powerful statement. Unless every now and then you act like kids, 
you aren't going to go to heaven. So you should join me today in acting like a child, at least for a few moments, because Jesus said it was important. And so we need to do this. If we're going to begin again, we need to get out our kazoos right now. Now, I understand these are the kind of kazoos you have to really hum loud for them to work. You have to try really hard to get them open. My goodness. All right. Don't tell my dentist I did that. All right. If you don't have a kazoo, for whatever reason, Mark's going to make sure I wait for him to get one. He wants to be a part. That's good. Oh, he's going to help pass them. Look at him go. If you want a kazoo, raise a hand. It's no shame in asking for a kazoo today. Go ahead, Mark. Take your time. Now, whether you take a kazoo or not, I'm going to want you to hum along in a few minutes. This is going to take a little longer than I thought to pass out kazoos, but that's okay, Mark. Thank you for helping with that. All right. All right, if you didn't get one, just get one later, and you can do it on the way home, annoy your wife or your husband or whatever, okay? If you have a kazoo, here's what we're going to do. We are going to become like a child for just a moment. And this is how we're going to enter into the childhood space, all right? If you have a kazoo or if you don't, in just a second, I just want you to do this simple thing. Hum along with me to the tune of Jesus Loves Me. Are you ready? We're going to make a joyful noise to the Lord. It's a kazoo noise. I didn't say it's a good noise. We're going to make a noise together, humming along to Jesus Loves Me. Are you ready? On three. One, two, three. kids, put your kazoos away now, and we'll get them back out after the service is over. But doesn't that feel kind of good? Like it touches something of your inner child, the person that you once were. Because a lot of you, by the grace of God, right, a lot of you in your childhood, you had someone sing you that song or teach you that song. And if that wasn't your experience, let me say this to you, I'm sorry. Because I know that we have folks in the church today that you weren't raised in a family or a household of faith. But if that was also your story, how awesome that even at whatever age you are today, you got to experience a kind of a gift of childhood and humming a simple song. Now, why would Jesus say that? You have to become like a child. What was it about children that so many? Well, for one thing, you know something? Not every child fits this, and there's always an exception to the rule, but most children, they are craving learning new things. The brain, when you're a child, is designed to learn and to grow, and to try new things. Now, you don't like everything. Like, they tried to pass spinach off at school for years, and I didn't like it. It took me 30 years to like spinach. Now I love it. We don't always like everything we're trying, but we're willing, we're willing to try. But as we get older, I don't know about you, but a lot of us, right, we get stuck in our routines. We like things to go the way we planned. We don't like unexpected surprises. We don't like to try something unfamiliar. We tend to order the same thing at the restaurant. We, we tend to take the same paths to work. We don't often take a new path or try a new thing. And that's too bad. 
Because actually, the Bible is filled with all kinds of passages passages that talk about God doing a new thing. In fact, it says things like, sing to the Lord a new song. Now, I wondered what that used to mean. Like, is it a new song I heard on the radio? But actually, I actually think what that means is just do what David did. Now, try this. This will freak you out. Sit in your car one day when you're driving and just start making up a song about God. I mean, David did it pretty safely. He just picked, like, all the stories of things God had done, and he kind of sang about them. Oh, Lord, you delivered the people through the sea or, or from whatever it was. Just, he just wrote songs like that to God. It's okay to just do that. No one has to know, okay? And there's no test, and you don't have to record yourself and put it on TikTok or anything. Just, just try it, a new thing. God calls us to things that are new. Now, it's not easy. And sometimes in life, when he calls us to do something new, it's actually terrifying. It's unfamiliar. It's risky. We're going to look at three people who are called by Jesus today. And the call he makes to each one of them is, follow me. You want to begin again, then follow me. I will lead you. I will show you the path to take. And some of the people respond in the affirmative, the yes. Others, well, we don't get to know the end of their story. But it doesn't look good from what we know. If you have your Bibles, let's turn for the first passage to the book of Luke chapter 5. Actually, we'll look at two different call stories here. The first one is one that you're well familiar with because I've preached on this text many times. So I'm not going to dwell on it, but I just want you to hear uh, this call to follow Jesus from Luke chapter 5, beginning of verse 1. It says, One day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats that were left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He just got into one of the boats. This is pretty fascinating because it doesn't sound like he even asked for permission by the way it's written. He just walked over to one of the two boats and like got on the boat, which that's a big deal, right? If you're in the boat or you have a boat there, it says they were washing their nets, so they were likely some in the water, some on the boat kind of fishing it out, rinsing out the net and keeping going. And as that's all happening to them, Jesus just gets into the boat. It was the one who belonged to a man named Simon. And he asked him, he said, Simon, uh, put out a little bit from the shore. And Jesus did this for a reason because there's a big crowd. He says, just get a little bit out there. And Jesus knew by the way the sea works there in that part that at a little bit of a distance, he could stand up and be seen by everyone. And he could be heard by everyone. And because Jesus had asked him, uh, Jesus uh, said, Peter, let's go out. Peter said, okay, I'll take you out a little bit. So he pushed out from the shore. That meant he had to stop what he was doing of washing his nets for a moment. Jesus has a way of inconveniencing us when he asks us to do something new. Now, believe it or not, that's not the biggest thing he's going to ask of Peter. And, and when he begins to ask you to try a new thing, that's probably not the end of that story. In fact, I'll be very clear today from the beginning to the end of the story, right? Our story begins with Jesus asking us for a little thing. In the end, though, he's going to ask us to take up our cross and follow him. A big thing. But this is the beginning. And we're in a series called Begin Again. So at the beginning, he says, let's just, just let me borrow your boat, Peter. Just let me borrow your boat for a few minutes to preach a sermon. And so Peter agrees. And when he, Jesus had finished speaking, then he asked more from Peter. 
I mean, wasn't enough? I let you use my boat. Now what are you going to ask me for? Now Jesus says, Peter, uh, let's go out into the deep water. I don't know about you, right? There's a lot to be said for the shallow water. Shallow water is really fun to play in. I, I was on vacation last summer at the beach with my grandkids, and I got to tell you, I learned to love the shallow water. That is a great place to play, a lot of fun, safety. I mean, I was not very far from the sandwiches, you know what I'm saying? It was a good place to be, and we had a lot of fun there. But the deep water, huh, well, I've seen what swims in the deep water. Maybe you have too. It's a little more scary, a little, little more risky to be out in the deep water. Now he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for the catch. And I told you, like, Peter was a fisherman, right? He was from a group of fishermen. It says, Simon Peter answered him, Master, we've worked hard. Don't miss that. I'm tired. I've been working all night. We worked hard all night. And worse yet, we haven't caught anything. So like Jesus, like we worked really hard last night, and it's nice that you wanted to borrow the boat and all, but going fishing, we didn't catch a single thing. But, and I want you to know that of all the times Peter ever made a decision, this, this decision was pivotal to his life. It changes the course of his entire life. Jesus asks him for something, and he says yes. Then Jesus asks for more, and Peter says, okay, because of who you are. Because you say so, Jesus. Because you say so. Listen, in the coming weeks, we're going to take a hard look at some things in Scripture. And we're all going to come to a point where we have to answer this question. Why do I want to do that thing? It's hard. Why would I give up something that's been a temptation to me or an addiction to me or a behavior? Why would I give that up? And at the end of the day, you're going to have to answer that question between you and God. But let me tell you, it's not me asking you to change. It's Jesus. And I hope you'll learn today, even before we get there, from Peter's example if it's Jesus who asks you to do something, you should do it. Peter's answer is beautiful. All right, Jesus. I've been a fisherman my whole life. I know when to give up. I'm giving up this morning. We didn't catch anything. But if you want to go fishing, I'll take you out in the boat. So because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, what happens next is evidence of something. Does Jesus ever ask a lot of us? He does. But does Jesus reward obedience? He does. When they had done so, it says, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. I told this story to my grandkids, and they really oohed and awed at that idea, right? They thought, man, that's amazing, because to them, a net is like a butterfly net. So they're thinking, like, he had like three or four fish in his butterfly net. <laughs> like, no, they had hundreds of fish. Hundreds of fish, yeah, hundreds of fish. Maybe thousands. Their nets began to break. 
In fact, it was such a big catch, they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full they began to sink. Man, this is every fisherman's dream. This was the best fishing day. But just think about that. Peter went from one of his all-time worst fishing days to one of his all-time best fishing days by trusting in Jesus. And I want you to hear this. When I preach about begin again, you can move from some of your worst days you've ever had to some of the best days you've ever had when you bring Jesus into your story. But I get it. We don't feel worthy of that. Peter didn't feel worthy of it. Listen to what Peter said. When Simon Peter figured out what was happening, he saw what was happening, he looked at Jesus, Peter fell down in the boat on his knees, and he said, go away from me. I'm a sinner. Like, you got the wrong guy. I don't deserve this kind of a blessing in my life. I've done bad things. I've said bad things. I haven't always acted the way I should act. You, you got the wrong guy. This blessing belongs to someone who's really good, not to someone like me. And there are a lot of people in this room, even right now, you think that because of this or that in your life, you don't deserve God's blessings. And that might be true. It might absolutely be true. Peter might not have deserved the blessing. We talked about it in communion. We didn't deserve the gift we got, but we got it anyway. Because God is merciful, and he is gracious, and he is compassionate, and he is loving, and he has a plan for us. And believe it or not, God's plan for Peter goes far beyond catching the biggest catch that had ever happened on that beach. It was just the beginning. Peter is about to begin again. And to his surprise, sinful old Peter, the sinful man, is exactly the guy that Jesus is looking for, check this out, to change the world. He's just a fisherman. He's never been to a fancy theological school. He's just a fisherman, and probably a pretty salty one at that by the things he said about himself. I mean, hey, I've grown up on the sea. I have seafaring friends. It's a salty lot. We always say these salty things and sing salty songs and tell salty jokes. Jesus just kind of said, that's okay, Peter, because you're going to become the salt of the earth, and you're going to change the flavor of the entire earth. He and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Jesus was changing Peter's life. But check this out. When, when he begins to help you begin again, you are probably not the only person he's working on. He's going to help people around you begin again as well. And so Peter was the focal point, but those other guys, they're going to be pretty important to the story too. And God's going to do a new beginning and a new work in them as well. In fact, just because they're by Peter on that day and they're his friends, they get caught up in what happens next because what happens next is pretty amazing. Jesus says to Simon, don't be afraid. And there it is. What keeps us from being world changers? It's fear. It's fear. 
What keeps us from beginning again? It's fear. It's easy to stay in the rut of the familiar. It's difficult to step into the path of the unknown. So Jesus says, Simon, don't be afraid. I need you to hear this. After four weeks about talking about our messes and how he wants to clean them up and help us with them and help us to overcome them and help us to deal with the mess that's in our world and to, and to trust him and to follow him, he says to us today, don't be afraid. Trust me. And to Peter, he says, Peter, from now on, you're going to fish for people. Matthew tells it this way. He says, Peter, Jesus said to Peter, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for men. Luke 5.11 says, so they pulled their boats up on the shore. And this next word is incredible. They left everything. And they followed him. Now, it's one thing if he says, let's go out in the shallow water, let me talk to people. It's the second thing, a little bigger, if he says, let's go out into the deep water after you worked hard all night. But now he says, all right, are you ready? I want you to begin your whole life over again. I want you to leave behind a lot of things that you know, how to fish, how to run a business, and I want you to tackle something new. I want you to begin again in the business of fishing for people. <laughs> and those words are powerful. And Peter and his friends left everything, and they followed Jesus. Let's look at another story. Same chapter, just a few verses further along. There's another person on that beach. He's a tax collector. His name is Levi. It's his job to get the tax things. He must have disappointed when he saw the great catch of fish, wanted to put a, a tax on them for that, and they were already all gone following Jesus. It must have been frustrating to Levi. He had watched things that happened on that beach. He likely had heard the things Jesus said. Read these words with me from 27. It says this, After this, Jesus went out, and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi, who was sitting at the tax booth. Follow me. Jesus said to him, and there must have been something in his life he was tired of. Maybe he was tired of being this guy because, you know, to be a tax collector is, is a, 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 not a popular thing among the, the, the people there, right? The tax collectors were complicit with Rome, and all the other people were citizens of Israel. And they, were, they, they, they kind of uh, felt a lot of anxiety and animosity towards the Romans. They wanted independence. They hated Roman rule. And so they despised anyone that was a Jewish person but worked for the Romans. So this guy, Levi, which is no small thing, that was his name. The Levites were God's chosen people. They were supposed to be people who made their portion from the, the, the rest of the tribes of Israel. They were set aside for God's work, the Levites were. The name Levi is important. It gives us a sense that his family had wanted him to be set apart for God. But he had become complicit with the enemy. He had become a friend of Rome. He had been a, basically a thief. He would take the part he was supposed to charge and then charge extra to make his own money. 
and he would abuse the people. But I think he wanted to change. Sometimes we're not afraid to change. Sometimes we're itching for a change. And that might be where some of you are today. Maybe you're in that space like, man, my life's got to change. It's got to change now. I'm heading the wrong direction. I don't like where this train's headed. And that's Levi. Because as soon as Jesus says to him, listen to me, he says, follow me. It says, Levi just got up and he left everything and he followed him. Now, that's an interesting story because Levi, like, just, just, hey, I'm good. Put the sign up closed for business. I'm done. I'm in. I'm all in. And in fact, we read the next part of Levi's story. It says that as soon as he followed Jesus, he immediately invited his friends to see what Jesus was doing in his life. Like, hey, I'm beginning again. This is my friend Jesus. You all need to hear what he has to say. So he calls all the tax collectors in. Probably, can't say it for sure, probably another tax collector we'll hear about later named Zacchaeus. He very well got invited to this party. It's very possible. Anyway, he holds a big party, a great banquet for Jesus at his house. Yeah. Following Jesus might be scary, but it also is exciting. He throws a party about it. A large crowd of tax collectors and, and others go and they eat with them there. But some Pharisees and teachers of the law who belong to the sect complain to the disciples, why why does your teacher eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus said, well, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's, it's the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I've found the people who need to begin again, and I'm helping them start over. And that should encourage you if you feel like you're a person who needs to begin again. You're exactly the kind of person Jesus is looking for. There's one last story. It comes to us from Luke, I believe the 18th chapter. I didn't put it in my notes, I'm sorry. We read this story of the rich ruler and Jesus. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus asked him, why do you call me good? Jesus answered him, no one is good except God alone. But you know the commandments, don't commit adultery, don't commit murder, don't steal, don't give false testimony, honor your father and mother. The man said, all these I have kept since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing, begin again, sell everything you have. Give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Yeah, beginning again can be scary. When the man heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Listen, I get it. God gets it. It's not always easy to begin again. We don't know the end of that man's story. We know this moment. We don't know if later on he reconsiders, he comes to faith. We don't know what happens next in his story. But we know that on his first invitation to follow Jesus, he went away sad. And I've heard this many times. 
there are people who I've talked to who have said, you know, there was a time in my life where I felt like Jesus was really calling me to this or to that. But I didn't listen. I didn't act. I didn't follow. Friends, <laughs> Jesus is a giver of second chances. And even if you failed in the past, it doesn't mean you have to fail today. He makes all things new. He is truly the author of Begin Again. And there are some of you who haven't said yes for the very first time. I'm not sure what's keeping you from beginning again with Jesus. I don't know what it is that holds you back. But God knows. Listen to me. First, even if no one else gets you, God gets you. He knows you. It's quite possible that no one else knows the things you've done. That's what Peter said. You don't know what I've done. He knows what you've done. And in spite of whatever that is, and I don't need to know that. He already knows it. In spite of whatever that is, he loves you. Get that. Right now, even if you haven't accepted him, in spite of anything that you've sinned and you've messed up and you've ruined and you've wrecked, right now, today, even if you've only cursed his name to this very moment, he still loves you. And he wants to forgive you. And he asks you today, will you follow me? And listen, he has never stopped being in the world-changing business. And what Jesus did for Peter and Andrew and James and John and Levi or Matthew he wants to do for you and for me today. So even if you've failed to answer time and time again, let this be the Sunday you say yes to Jesus. And you take the step to say, I will follow you where you lead me. I will let you become my master and my Lord and my Savior. Friends, there are rewards to following Jesus. And I encourage you, don't miss out on what he has for you today. If you have a decision to make, will you make it as we stand and we sing our hymn of invitation? Mm -hmm.